The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 120 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are Ron or Ron Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1997's Starship Troopers, directed by Paul Verhoeven, starring Casper Van Dien, Dina Mayer, Denise Richards, Jake Busey, Neil Patrick Harris, Patrick Muldoon, Clancy Brown, and Michael Ironsides. Starship Troopers is a 1997 American military science fiction thriller film. This film currently holds a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? In the distant future, high school kids are encouraged to become citizens by joining the military. What they don't know is that they'll soon be engaged in a full-scale war against a planet of alien insects. The fight is on to ensure the safety of humanity. Okay, Starship Troopers, tonight's movie was sponsored by Jamie. Jamie writes in and says, Well, Joel, first of all, love the show. I have listened to almost all the episodes. I usually try to listen to them when I jog to help provide some entertainment to break up the monotony. Starship Troopers is the perfect example of satire gone wrong. Piss poor acting from most of the parties involved, especially Denise Richards. Casper Van Dien, aka Hollywood's runner-up for Brendan Fraser, the ultimate almost leading actor, tries to act but he goes overboard when he tries to get emotional. The insects look okay, but the ships look horrible. There's just so many ridiculous moments that go overboard with being over the top. For example, the scene where the asteroid pops up out of nowhere and somehow has enough gravity to bend space and also cause the pilot's coffee to lean towards it? Or how about the recruiter guy who has a robotic arm but apparently the military forgot to give him robotic legs? Overall, Starship Troopers reminds me of a horrible accident on the highway. You know it's absolutely horrible and grotesque but yet can't look away when it passes by. I hate this movie, yet if it's on, I'll watch it if only to ridicule it further. Thanks for all the great episodes. I hope this podcast will be on for years to come, Jamie. Okay, guys, Starship Troopers, what is your history with this? I've seen this movie hmm, multiple times for sure. Whenever it's on TV, I'll sit down and watch it. I have never seen this movie before. That's amazing. Yeah, I can't believe you've skated by without seeing this. Through the 1990s, unbelievable. I had no interest in it. I remember news programs going over the CG in this movie because it was really good for the time. I saw this in the theater. I think I had to sneak in to see it because I was too young at the time. Yeah, there's no way that you could have I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly, but I want to say that I snuck into the Mr. Bean movie and then bounced out of that to go into this. I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah, I, I think that's how I ended up seeing Starship Troopers in the theaters. I was like 13 or something at the time when this came out. Want to see some boobs? Yeah, I want to bite a worm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, so I've seen this movie a bunch of times. I actually watched it again last year, so I liked it a lot back then. Does it hold up now? <laughs> let's find out. Okay, let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. First up... I think it's important for the audience of Yes That Bad to know that the temperature in this room is rising rapidly. 80 degrees. Yeah, tis the season. It's happening again, Kevin. It's not even close to being summer yet, and it's already 80 degrees. It's funny because outside it's like 65. It's, it's nowhere <laughs> it's near. It's cold outside. It's, it's like so a- humid in here, too. <laughs> It's nowhere near that temperature outside. I don't understand how... I feel like your apartment is is like Shawshank Prison in Maine. Like, in the summer, 
summer it's like unbearably hot and then in the winter it's like bone cold like you're dying of like frostbite that's very accurate actually <laughs> first up casper van dean does it doesn't he look like one of the dolls from team america world police yeah <laughs> <laughs> he does he looks like get, like like get the gary doll like the lead guy i thought this guy back in 97 was gonna become the next hollywood it boy i know? thought that he was gonna be the world's next bruce campbell why because he had a his chin, chin that could kill his, his chin that if this chin could talk i distinctly remember thinking that this guy could be something great you what happened al- you stand alone in that i did not think that about this person i don't know i mean i was a 13 year old idiot so who the hell knows listen i don't think that was a year before i blundered into lost in space with kevin hmm. think yeah, about you it. were so young and inexperienced yeah you know this guy's great what a great actor <laughs> <laughs> my propeller beanie started spinning <laughs> i watched him <laughs> Did you thumb your suspenders when you said that? You're like, wah, wah. <laughs> How'd he do in this film? Laughable. His his acting was pretty bad. Yeah, I wasn't impressed with Puerto Rico here. No, he was terrible. Why did you say that, Kevin? He was C-level movie acting here. I thought that this was B-level movie acting. Direct I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that it was that bad. In some unnamed country. Oh, okay. <laughs> this was a B... This, 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 this was a B-movie performance, which is fair, because I think that this was a B-movie. I wasn't shocked at all that I've never seen this guy since. Really, Kevin? You didn't see Tarzan Into Darkness, whatever the hell that was called that he did? <laughs> into Darkness. <laughs> you, you didn't see Tarzan Returns? <laughs> Tarzan Returns Into Darkness. Rise of the Fallen. <laughs> okay, anyway, so yeah, Casper Van Dien, you guys give him A+. Plus. Yeah. Thumbs down. Yeah. Thumbs, <laughs> corn, <laughs> cornholes all around. Thumbs up into my <laughs> This guy... Okay, next up, Dina Mayer. She was the would-be love interest to our boy, Casper Van Dien. How'd she do? (laughs) (laughs) Martin looked like he he smelled a wet fart. Uh, I'm going to paint all these actors sans Neil Patrick Harris with the same brush. Oh? Yes. Oh, 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 oh. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I don't even know why we're going person by person here. Why are we doing this? This is an extra. They're all terrible. Come on, man. This is lawnmower man level, Jeff Fahey style. <laughs> no. You know what? Cut above that. I'm going to paint everybody with the same brush except for Jake Busey and Neil Patrick Harris. How dare you? And obviously Michael Ironsides. He's in, he can do his. Uh, Classy Brown. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> This movie had both Dark Side and Lex Luthor in it. It did. Show some respect. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this is a very DC heavy movie. What's going on here, Kevin? I agree completely with Martin. They're just, they're all B-level acting here. They might not all be B-level actors, but they're B-level acting in this. Oh, they're not even trying? Is it piss poor all around? Yeah. I feel like Michael Ironsides even knew that he was in a B-movie, but he there were some scenes where like his amazing voice and acting shone through, and I was like, huh, starstruck. No, I honestly think... Uh, uh, without joking around, I think Clancy Brown is really good in this. Really? Yeah, I think he's awesome. He's my favorite part of this movie. He's my second favorite thing in this movie. T- first is Jake Busey, obviously. Jake Busey's <laughs> teeth, specifically. <laughs> no, yeah, Jake. Next up, Jake Busey. What do you think? I like Jake Busey. I like him. I'd prefer him over Jake Gyllenhaal. He has a specific place in a movie. It's a Jake Busey role, and you know, it's always this supporting guy. He pops in every now and then. And I'm, always glad, I'm always glad to see him. Um, as far as his acting goes, he was Jake. Busey as Jake Busey. I like him. He brings a little crazy edge to his performances. Kevin, you like identity. Yeah, okay, I'll I'll give you that. He brings a crazy edge to this movie. (laughs) He's not as crazy as his father, so he's tolerable. But he still has the blood within him. (laughs) Yeah, he does. He can't escape. When the moon goes full... (laughs) 
He turns. He goes full Busey. He can't, he can't deny his lineage. Okay, and finally, next up, Denise Richards, acting powerhouse supreme. What did you guys think? She took the cake as the worst in this movie. Yeah, me. she was pretty bad. She was piloting the ship at one point, and she's supposed to have this, like, overjoyed look on her face. And it was like someone was screaming at her, smile, smile. It looked like the cameraman was pointing a Glock at her face. Like, better smile now. <laughs> her eyes were like soulless. Whoa. And she was had this big grin on her face. It, it was... Cameron Bright-esque. Yeah, it, it really was. It reminded me of a bunch of, like, children that are yelled at by their drunk father to smile for a Christmas portrait. <laughs> oh, smile I- now! <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> How old was she in this movie? 18, 19. Yeah, she's a teenager. Nubile. Yeah. Young Nubile. So she was a kid. <laughs> Pretty hot and tempting. She absolutely was. Kevin disagrees though wholeheartedly. Yeah, she's all right. You thought that her eyebrows were a little overpowering. Yeah, I, you could you could say that. I I felt that. You I was I felt they negatively affected her acting. They did. I was like, whoa! But we were in the golden age of eyebrows. You Jennifer see Jennifer Connelly, Connelly in this time period. Over. Yeah, she was out of control. Also, it's the heyday of the eyebrow. Okay, so Frida came out around this time too, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So so as far as I'm concerned, from what I heard in the last five minutes, Martin specifically loved every actor. Kevin thought they were all great. And a plus, A plus, A plus. Oscars for everyone, right? Yeah, if they could all receive Best Actor and Actress <laughs> as one giant... Yeah, conglomerate. Giant conglomerate. All right, that's pretty much it. Let's get into the brief history of Starship Troopers. Kevin did the notes this time. How'd you do? You don't have to say that any time. I always do the notes. <laughs> <laughs> Not like, always. I was done the last them. time you did the notes when I was here? Okay, Mark Wahlberg and James Marsden turned down the role of Johnny Rico. <laughs> It ultimately went to Casper Van Dien. Wow. I can't imagine why. I would like to have seen Wahlberg in this. Oh, yeah. The cast agreed to do the co-ed shower scene only if Verhoeven agreed to direct the scene naked, which he did. Ooh. Wow. Ridiculous. What kind of set? <laughs> what kind of set is this? <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman was there popping his junk out with the shorts, too. <laughs> he was in a lawn chair. <laughs> in, the, in the shower getting wet. Okay, the audience reaction led to several minor changes before the film was released. Originally, it was clear that Carmen was torn between Rico and Xander. Test audiences, regardless of gender, strongly felt that a woman could not love two men. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Wow, 1997. What happened? Were we that conservative back then? Oh, yeah. Oh, no woman could love two men at once. Physically impossible. <laughs> It's not like we live in an age of monogamy now, but <laughs> but like also we we're not like polygamists either. These audiences also felt it was immoral <laughs> for Carmen to choose a career ahead of being loyal to Rico to the extent that many commented that in so doing, Carmen should have been the one to die instead of Dizzy. This is the most sexist audience I've ever like. What? But it said women said this. All genders said this. <laughs> While admitting it may have been a bad commercial decision not to change the film to accommodate this, the director did cut a scene from After Xander's Death where Carmen and Rico kiss, which the audience believed made the previous betrayal even more immoral. You know wow, wouldn't that make it sexier though? Isn't it like I taboo? saw the extended cut and I saw that scene. Oh, was it hot? Too hot to trot? No, she was crying actually when she thought Rico was dead and there was like tears coming down. He's like, you know, like it, it actually made it like emotional. He's like, listen, it's all right for you to be upset. 
like you loved him, you know. But I just want you to know that I'm here for you. Yeah, and but, I'm in love with. And, and then like he, lube up with your tears, and the they, tears are they the went best. for it. it. That's nature's lubricant. Director Verhoeven says his satirical use of irony and hyperbole, playing with fascism or fascist imagery to point out certain aspects of American society. Of course, the movie is about let's all go to war and let's all die. There are many differences between the original book and film. While the original novel has been accused of promoting militarism, fascism, and military rule, the film satirizes these concepts by featuring news reports that are intensely fascist, xenophobic, and propagandist. Most of the arachnids appearing on the film are CGI, but a few life-size robotic models were built. However, during the battle scenes, the actors wound up looking at director Paul Verhoeven himself, who would stand in front of them and jump and scream to elicit their reactions. Wow. He, he, he continued that directing naked after the shower lot. scene, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's just naked the rest of the movie directing. <laughs> Starship Troopers was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Special Effects at the 70th Academy Awards in 1998. The film also won Saturn Awards for Best Costumes and Best Special Effects at the 1998 Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films USA Awards. In December 2011, film producer Neil Moritz announced plans to do a remake of the film. Martin, is that what the world needs? More remakes? Sequels? I mean, prequels? if there's anything that's true, it's all ideas have already been done. There are no new ideas. So let's so do them again. We just need to do them again. Okay, uh, Martin, this movie had a $105 million budget. How much did it make worldwide? $60 million? <laughs> It's a flop. It's a flop. <laughs> Total bomb, huh? A... This movie made a cool $121 million. That's not a success either. Though. No, that's a bomb in Hollywood size, yep. right? Okay, Starship Troopers. So this movie starts off with uh, one of Yes That Bad's favorites, white text, black screen. I have a very, very distinct memory of 1997, sitting in the theater, young 13-year-old Joel, propeller beanie in hand, pocket protector, and then the other, watching this movie in the theater. And when the credits came up, people laughed. Like, the, the credits look so cheap in this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, they don't look like they belong. It's just white text and a black screen. People laughed out loud. It was a B-movie beginning, which is why I thought that it set the tone for what this movie was going for. Yeah, it, it definitely set the tone. Just Starship Troopers in very basic font. Boring. Yeah, very boring. I'm like, okay, this is a B-movie. I'm going to get B-movie writing. Throughout this movie, we get these info dumps dropped on us of these little commercials. Old-timey propaganda films. I love that stuff. Love this part. To me, this is the best aspect of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. I Without completely agree. Without a doubt, this is bar none the best thing in this movie are these commercials yep. that come up. No question. I love how brutally violent these people are in these commercials and they're like, you want to aim for the, for the brain stem? It's like, <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Like, all right, I can get behind this. So yeah, usually in these these movies, we, we get an info dump of just text on the screen or narration. In this, we get it as the form of a newsreel, I guess, in the commercial. I think it works here more so than any other of the movies that we see. Yeah, I'd agree. It lets me know how this society operates. Why does it work here not with black text on a white screen? Because it makes sense. Like, this fits into the world that we're about to step into, right? It, you could see that being a part of their society. It's when we're 
we're introduced to a world and a story where the introduction doesn't fit with that world, that's where things clash and it doesn't make sense anymore. You mean how we're supposed to have virtual reality all in our lives at this point? 1999 virtual reality essentially is everywhere. Is, it's everywhere. After the opening commercial, it cuts to this planet where all these soldiers are running around. They're fighting bugs. There's a cameraman, all this stuff. They just drop you into the action. People are getting killed left and right. We get to see the bugs right away, yep. right? You get some they, action. They gave it away right off the bat. We get to see what the bugs look like. What'd you think? I think they had to give us a taste of something because it's not for another hour that we get to see them again. Oh, so it cuts back in time to one year earlier where our heroes are all in high school. They're all seniors. We got a lot of 90210 stuff going on here. Kevin, what do you think of this stuff? Did it remind you of your high school days? Yeah, just um, it was almost exactly like my high school days. Yeah, remember when we were in he high school? He was sitting at his, his so Rico, the main character, he's sitting in his school desk. He's animating on his iPad pod thing. <laughs> his iPad he desk. His like giant iPad desk. It looks like really technologically, I guess, not advanced for no, us now. Not at all. <laughs> they can't do what they think it's going to be in the future, right? Like they're limited by the technology they had at the time. Yeah. But the idea that his school desk would be like a, an iPad pad that's pretty good yeah you know what i'll give you that yeah you're right you're absolutely right but they can't fake the technology that doesn't even exist at the moment well kevin that drawing was pretty piss poor by the way would you agree that the future will be far more futuristic than we originally predicted (laughs) (laughs) i disagree with that How futuristic do you think the future is going to be? It's going to be way less futuristic than you assume it will be. Do you think it'll be like Red Flintstone futuristic or the Jetsons futuristic? We already know how this guy feels about the Jetsons future. Perfect future. It's the perfect future. That's the ideal future. All right. So uh, in this classroom, when they're fiddling around with these iPads, we meet Michael Ironside. He's a teacher. He's missing an arm or hand or something. Walking around, he's giving a lecture about history. And this is where we get some of the taste of the kind of society that they're living in, where some of the satire stuff is. Apparently in this society democracy failed and the military had to take over and brought about this peace. And in order for anyone to become a citizen and have any rights, you have to join the military mm-hmm. for two years or so. People talk a lot that this movie is a satire. Did you see it during this viewing of the movie? I did, but not yet. Like in the beginning of the movie, I couldn't really see it. I saw it definitely later on. It was like absurd. You never see them on earth. Hey, yeah, you do. High school. Yeah, but they're in high school. You don't see anything of the government being in their lives or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All we're told is in order to be a citizen, you have to join the military. That's it. We don't see anything else. We see there's one throwaway scene, which I love. Oh, yeah? In the propaganda film where they're like, this guy murdered someone. He was arrested this morning. Try this afternoon and his execution's tonight. tonight. Tune in to Channel 60 to see it. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. I love that. That's the only real glimpse that we get of this government being a big bad government. Yeah, the the tone of those commercials should have blamed into the movie itself. I completely agree. Because they don't, right? They no. really don't. This movie doesn't really know what it wants to be, right? On the one hand, it seems like a parody of the military, but by the end of it, it's like three cheers for the military, right? It, it, like, look, the, a movie that did a much better job at this was V for Vendetta, as far as showing, like, a fascist government. Kevin doesn't agree with that. <laughs> no? No, I completely agree with that. It did a better job because this one didn't do any job. Yeah, be- <laughs> because, like, <laughs> okay. in, like, in, like, V for Vendetta, they show, like, the 
commercials, like the fascist government news and all that stuff. And it's absurd and ridiculous. This is also ridiculous, but it reminds me too much of World War II propaganda, which I don't, I feel like historically I'm led to believe that it was good, even though intellectually I know it wasn't. I know that it was bad. Yeah, it's a weird mixture, right? Because it has a feel of American propaganda. It's like Americana for World War II propaganda. But the military is, they're dressed up like they're Nazis. No, they're space Nazis. There's no question about it. <laughs> so it's a, it's this weird thing. It's like, what are they commenting on? It's like, it's an American propaganda tone with not like people dressed up like Nazis. Like, what are we doing? It's really confusing. Listen, Kev, you know the answer to this question. USA, USA, USA. <laughs> But I'm good with it. (laughs) All right. So anyway, so after this, this lecture, we cut to a futuristic space football scene. Oh, man. (laughs) Kevin, would you say this football scene was shway cool? (laughs) Dude, I wanted to say Batman Beyond so bad. So bad. It reminded me of their stupid sport. Yep. Yep. It is so that sport. Uh. I'm glad we all went there. It is. It's it's that sport. Yeah, it totally is. So it's essentially normal football, but on a hard court? Yeah. Why would anybody do that? Would anybody play there? <laughs> well, there there is such a thing as arena football. There is, but like that sounds so reckless and dangerous. <laughs> how how much like why are the are the people in this sport like super powerful? Is gravity different inside <laughs> I know. of there? Yeah, they're like doing <laughs> Rico triple. did a triple flip. <laughs> Did Not a double that. gainer with a half flip what over this about, guy. What about Dizzy? Like, she, like, elbowed some guy and he went flying 30 <laughs> feet. How's that possible? And they were all wearing, like, bicycle helmets. She does not have enough mass to generate enough force to send that guy flying 30 so, feet. is this a co-ed football league? Yeah. Because I didn't this see any the, other women on the other team. There, no, I don't think that's even what it is. I don't think that there's any gender segregation in this society anymore. That's a good point. Because, because of the showers, right? The shower scenes. There's like, only two leagues. There's, there's female the generals and the mutant league. They don't make any discrimination in, based on gender in this society. That's clear. We've evolved beyond that. I kept thinking that in the shower scene, because that's like the Whoa, complete don't jump gender. Don't jump ahead. No, 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 no. But I just want to touch on the gender se- it's like okay, desegregation, because okay, okay. like that's like the pinnacle of it, right? Yeah. Like if you're bathing and like you know go in the bathroom together, that's complete gender <laughs> desegregation. Yeah. I only saw the bathing part, but I assume they're all <laughs> lined up to a giant trough <laughs> and let it rip. <laughs> Men and women alike holding hands. There's a whole scene, the cut scene, where men and women were farting together <laughs> in harmony. <laughs> Finally, my children can live in peace. Yeah, I have a dream. No, like, what does that do for sexuality? Like, it seems like it has, like, no impact on it at all, and that can't happen. Like, I don't see how that could physically not have an impact on that. I mean, that's something that would be interesting to explore in a good, Other good movie? movie. Whoa, Kevin, careful. <laughs> Spoiler don't, alert. Don't give away your review yet. <laughs> So we see Rico hanging out with Doogie Howser, MD. Oh, yeah. Neil Patrick Harris. He he is straight up Doogie Howser in this movie, right? He's really young still. He's a teenager. By the way, uh, Martin, you brought up an interesting point. Who in their wildest, feverish dreams would have imagined that out of all the people in this movie, it'd be Doogie Howser who would rocket to superstardom? I never would have guessed that. That man is a triple threat. He can sing, he can dance, he can act, can make you laugh, make you cry, do it all. He's not showing any of that future here. No, no, he's he's not. Uh, this is definitely not how I met your mother. But I mean, especially since Kester Van Dien was the the hot shot. I can't deny it. Beefcake I boy. mean, he's 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 on the A list now. Oh yeah, Neil Patrick Harris is A list. So we have this scene where where Rico is hanging out with Doogie Howser. <laughs> 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 
He says it all the time. Hey, yo, dude, you and Veronica do the horizontal hula yet? Remember that, Kevin? 13-year-old boy delivers baby. I remember an episode of Doogie Howser where he was taking his driving exam and there was a car accident and he pushed the cop out of the way and the cop's like, hey, you're just a kid. What are you doing? And he pointed and he said, he said, I'm a doctor and if you get in my way, I'll have you arrested for interfering in medical business. I was like, I don't, I don't think that's a law. Even as a kid, I, even as a kid, I was like, I don't, I don't think that's a law. <laughs> I'm a doctor. <laughs> if I Punch him so hard in the bed, he would crack his skull. He would just cave his face into his head. I'm a doctor. Okay. Anyway, back to this. Well, without that outburst, I think we just raised the room temperature by one one degrees in here. So they're hanging out. They're playing some, like, card game on the computer? It's not a card game. They're doing exactly what Bill Murray did in Ghostbusters 1. Yeah, he's trying to test for ESP. Yeah, so apparently Neil Patrick Harris is a psychic? Yeah, there are psychics in this world. The commercial taught us that. Not only did the commercial teach us that, the commercial had a guy with a third, third eye. eye. <laughs> he did. Third what did, eye blind. What, what did you think about that? What did they, why was this in here? What did they do with this? I'll take a third eye wherever I can get it. <laughs> I think it was to set up the fact that the bugs themselves might be psychic. That's a real stretch. Yeah, I know. I think it was just, just in there to be pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool, Kevin. I guess so. Rico goes to the military <laughs> and we get a boot camp scene and it's a carbon copy of every other boot camp scene <laughs> in every other movie I've ever seen. I'll say this right now, Mr. Man. This right here, second best thing in this movie. The whole boot camp stuff. Clancy Brown shows up. He brings this movie to life. That girl Diz transfers to this unit like out of nowhere. She's got balls of steel, eh, Kevin? She pulled a oh, Felicity, yeah. right? Oh! Whoa! That's exactly what she did. What? You know, Kevin, I, I ran into Felicity once. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Tell the story how all over she, again. How did she pull Felicity? She, she went, she followed the man. Did you know who Felicity man, is? She followed the man she loved. Carrie Russell's Felicity. Yeah. I don't know what the show is about. She goes, she follows this guy that she liked in high school to college on the hopes of being with him. She could have gone to Space Harvard, but instead it goes to uh, (laughs) Harvard. So so Rico did that for Denise Richards. Uh And then Diz did that. Diz does it for Rico. It's a love triangle. Quadrangle, yeah. Love's a dirty game. Love is a battlefield. Rico's an idiot, right? I mean, that's proven. This girl's throwing himself. She's throwing (laughs) himself himself Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got all the right equipment. (laughs) She's throwing herself at him. She is not unattractive at all. She's quite a looker. She's very attractive. I thought she was pretty hot and tempting. Kevin, you don't agree? Eh, If I had to choose, oh my god, this guy, Denise Richards. I think that she has a much better, much better personality though than Denise Richards' character. True enough. She has much bigger biceps. (laughs) That's half the equation for me. (laughs) It's like how big are your biceps? All right, so Clancy Brown shows up as a drill sergeant. You know, we all know and love him as the evil prison guard from Shawshank Redemption, right? Mm -hmm. That's the role he was born to play. He shows up. And then it's like a supernova blew up. (laughs) I don't know what movie you're watching. You don't like him? Oh my God, I do like him as an actor. But just in, not this in this scene, particular movie. You're insane. He was hilarious. <laughs> I was rip roaring with laughter, slapping my knees, stitching my sides back together. I was laughing so hard. He's all right. This guy. Get the hell out of here. You don't even know who Felicity is. All right, I'll get out of here. <laughs> 
I'm not disagreeing with you. He's a good actor. You're telling me you didn't like this character that he's portraying in this movie? You thought it was bad or annoying or obnoxious? I, I didn't think a supernova exploded in the movie <laughs> when he entered the scene, no. Compared to these buffoons, he comes into this movie, the first line he says, he's like, what a bunch of apes. And he's right. They suck compared to him. Yeah. Kevin, you agree? Yeah, look, it was, Are you it saying was, was okay. About- You're acting like this guy like made this whole movie amazing. He was incredible. Say it. Apologize to me right now. He no. was he was limited by the by the writing and by the by the supporting cast around him. Well, anyway, you know, not, it's not his fault that his acting wasn't that good. Some people are <laughs> blind, you know, they can't see the genius oh in others. Gosh. Third eye blind. Okay, so then we get the scene that Joel apparently snuck out of Mr. Bean for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the co-ed shower scene. Yeah, there's all these naked men and women in the showers talking about why they joined the military. Now, I'm going to toss this out to you guys. There was one guy leading the charge asking questions left and right. Did he or did he not look like he could have been Chris O'Donnell? I thought he was Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that at all. He looked like Chris O'Donnell. Oh, yeah, he? yeah, yeah. I was like, is that Chris O'Donnell? What did you guys think of the scene? Necessary? Unnecessary? Totally necessary. Kevin? Yeah. Totally unnecessary. This Kevin? is unnecessary. So this is the reason that I know this movie even exists. When we were, when this came out and all of us were young teenagers, everyone was go- going off the wall about this. Oh, you gotta see Starship Troopers. There's naked women in it. A big shower scene. There's nothing sexy about this scene. No, nothing. Nothing at all. I'd like to go back in time and yeah. erase this. To do early high school days and be like, what are you, what are you jokers talking about? <laughs> yeah? Wasting my time. You know what, though? This is before the heyday of internet pornography. Yeah, that's true. We, we gotta get it where we can, right? No matter what. <laughs> yeah, Rico was made the squad leader, but because of his incompetence, some guy got killed. Accidentally got shot in the head and he died. So he had to get punished for it. But so he what, got, he got what shot. Was this? He got shot in, tra- in a training exercise using live ammo, right? Yes. The training exercise before that, they were using awesome laser guns. Yeah, real life laser tag. Why? First off, I really wish that was real. That looked awesome. Outdoor laser laser tag. tag. Amazing. It also apparently shocks your body and immobilizes you when you get shot. Perfect. Sign me up. Let's go. (laughs) But if you have laser guns, why waste time with bullets? Especially, I I very distinctly was wondering, like, didn't the weapons in this movie seem weak and by that I don't mean that they were ineffective in killing the aliens I mean just like like the way they sounded the way they looked like the, the amount of bullets that came out of them they seemed puny to me like they were print, printed out of a 3D printer <laughs> wow yeah they're they're bad they're pretty poor I, I mean like I guess if I go back to my notes what I have is why do these weapons look like they're M16s when we're like a thousand years into the future we're still using the same guns from a thousand years ago that's ridiculous they've spaceships that are going through hyperspace from one literally one side of the galaxy to the other that's like several thousand light years and we're still using regular old machine guns why are we fighting on this planet destroy the planet we we're, we're not capable of doing that we can travel across the entire galaxy but we can't destroy a planet by the way we're like more than halfway through this movie yet and we're still not even there but yeah anyway anyway so so rico our boy castor van Dien, he got court-martialed because of this and he got like 50 lashes on his back like a baby Hank Schrader showed up again. There Thank he is. Thank God. Brought Detective back. Hank he, Schrader. Can you believe it, Kevin? He must have gotten a promotion from the shop. <laughs> back again from Lawnmower Man. Yep. Can you believe we're seeing this guy again? It's pretty I, amazing. I can't get enough Hank Schrader. When he came on the screen, I almost pissed my pants. <laughs> I was so happy. Do you call him Hank Schrader or Uncle Hank? Yeah, Uncle, it's Uncle I Hank. Call him, I call him Uncle Hank. I'm like, oh, it's, it's Uncle Hank. I, I thought like Walter Jr. was going to come out. <laughs> 
Yeah, so he gets strung up and whipped in front of the entire military. Very fetishistic, eh? Did they need to use leather <laughs> to, like, tie him up? What was that about? This That's unnecessary. really, really strange. Why? It just doesn't fit in this movie. Well, anyway, during this time period, we get to see what Carmen Electro... <laughs> 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 She's still alive. What's she up to? <laughs> we get to see what uh, Denise Richards is up to on the spaceship. Did you guys recognize her co-pilot? Yeah. That was Amy Smart, who would grow up to be Ashton Kutcher's love interest in the butterfly effect. Triumphant return. I was that, happy to have her. I'm glad to see her again, too. Apparently, the, the bugs, we find out, have the ability to send meteorites to Earth. They shoot asteroids at us. How, Kevin, how do they do this? They, they showed, don't even bother to try and explain this. They showed the location of their planet, and it was literally on the other side of the Milky Way galaxy, thousands of light years away. How they're able to aim? If the, no, no, no. Just the amount of time it would take for that asteroid to get from the other side of the galaxy to ours would be thousands and thousands and thousands. Just for light to reach us would take thousands of years. Well, what do you think about this? That the bugs are attacking us from home. They're, they're just sitting back, relaxing, drinking beers, and shooting bombs off a planet Earth. How minute, just in like degrees of like how they're shooting these asteroids the, through the galaxy. The accuracy would have to be insane. It, it, it would be like literally, I, I can't even fathom it. It makes no sense. And they're not bumping into other things on the way here? I mean, I guess the brain bug has supercomputer. <laughs> abilities to calculate all moving <laughs> objects and gravity wells in space and it's able like how are they doing the propulsion on on these mines or whatever on, on these asteroids are they hitting it with like that blue ass energy i thought that was those are like bombs <laughs> no that's like pla is that yeah, energy? plasma is that energy what is that i don't know what it is what are you both looking at me for Kevin, you you're a paleobotanist <laughs> ship trooper expert you've read all the books <laughs> You have the Starship Trooper Weekly Magazine. He's got the same tattoo, Death from Above. <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah, this is when the movie officially starts to just fall apart completely, where they're just like, yeah, we don't care. We're going to say that the bugs are sending asteroids at us. We're not going to explain it. There's no possible explanation for it, but that's what it's going to be. I could have sworn they said at some point, or maybe I'm just imagining this concept. I, I thought that the bugs were kind of seeding other planets. Like that's how they pro propagate their species. Or maybe I'm just like imagining that from some other science fiction, that they would shoot these spores out into space just willy nilly and wherever they land, that's where like more bugs would come out and propagate. Wouldn't if that's that make the sense? case, then why didn't we see any bugs on Earth? It would make sense if that's what they were doing, right? Sure. Frankly, I find the idea of a smart bug offensive. offensive. Denise Richards is piloting this ship. She's got like, I guess, Night Watch or the equivalent of that. She's got her coffee out. She's, I don't know why she's steering it. Don't they have computers that can navigate for them? You would think so. Anyway, apparently an asteroid is approaching their vessel and somehow it is distorting space-time around them. It shows a diagram of its impact on space around them. It's a, it's like a black hole. And it, how does it sneak up on them? <laughs> you had a cloaking device engaged, I guess. So they just don't care. They're just making stuff up. Okay, so we get our first legitimate battle scene because after Buenos Aires is destroyed, this is the rallying cry. We're going to war. Yeah, great. So we get, I guess, the equivalent of like a Normandy beach invasion, but from outer space. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what it is. The bugs are shooting this, these plasma fireworks into space. Supposedly, it's going to be just harmless gas vapor or whatever. It's going to be varied and not heavy fire, I guess. And that's What happens? Oh, uh, it's an all-out berserker barrage. is fired at these <laughs> ships. 
And they're like, this isn't random fire. Somebody messed up big time. What? Like, what does that even mean? I don't get that. How are they trying to figure out what these insects are doing? I I guess they knew this. It was clear that they knew this planet existed and that these insect things existed for a while. Yeah. This isn't a surprise, right? No, they were dissecting it in high school. Okay. Wouldn't we have already gone in there and taken these things out? Look. So we could populate that planet? If human nature remained the same in the next thousand years, yeah, these things would have been obliterated already. New manifest destiny? Absolutely. This is dead as soon as we found that planet and could get to it, right? They they would not have lasted more than like a, a year. We would have picked up a few, put them in some zoos. Yeah. Put some in, put them in some laboratories to study them. The rest would have been dead. Gone. Earth 2. <laughs> Well, no, apparently the, these bugs are no pushovers because the, those plasma balls start blowing up spaceships. How they're aiming, how the, these bugs how know, know that there's spaceships in the sky, I have no idea that, that they can sense that these things are in space. They try okay, to like, sure. explain that later on in the movie and they do such a poor job because they're like, oh, they suck our brains out and that's how they know where the ships are. And I'm like, what, these people have coordinates of future locations for ships in their head? That, that, what? Why are we doing a ground invasion? When we have all this technology, what on that planet do we need? There's nothing there. Well, it's that's the a, only reason. It's a defensive invasion, right? They attacked us first. Yeah. Why don't we just destroy this planet? They say it in the movie that drones. The, yeah, the drones today. Send a drone in. Yeah, you can just send robots to do this, right? Yeah. We're already doing that. We are doing that now. It doesn't make any sense to send in ground troops to that situation. They say it in the movie that uh, the bugs only attacked us because we incurred on their territory first. I believe that. <laughs> it's interesting too, right? Because it speaks to the whole militaristic nature of the, the society. It's like they did it to themselves. What the hell is the point of this war? What are all these people dying for? For nothing really, right? War. What is it good for? Yeah, absolutely. Everything. Hey, all right. So during all this crap, uh, Denise Richards breaks up with uh, our boy Rico Castro Van Dien. She, she sends him a breakup video on a GameCube disc. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I was laughing at that. <laughs> That video quality was pretty damn good, though, right? For, yeah. for a disc? It was. I'd be willing to get broken up that way. Yeah, I was like, wow, they still have physical media in the future? <laughs> I laughed at that. I was like, wow. How did they get that disc to him? It's like, Rico, mail call. Like, the mailman, Kevin Costner came and gave it to him. <laughs> they might as well. Postman. That's another thing that's, like, also antiquated right now. Yeah. And, like, their future's, like, a thousand <laughs> years from now, like, mail. Like, why are you getting mail? So he gets this breakup video and it's it's funny because the way she edits the video, you can kind of tell that the guy walks in on her while she's doing it. The other guy that she left Rico for and she's like, oh, and she like turns it off <laughs> real, real, real fast and then starts recording again in a different location. I caught that this time. I haven't seen that before. I started laughing. <laughs> Well, what do you think? Was it amoral of her to do this? Like the women at the test screening thought? Yeah, she was just like amazo. She was amoral. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, this makes sense. They're not going to see each other. What kind of relationship can they have? You know, I actually kind of agree with those conservative women. The, the moment she did this, that she broke up with Rico, I don't give a damn about her. I Why do I even bother following her as a character? Rico's the hero of this movie. She broke his heart. <laughs> She's the villain. So there's this big bug battle that we get finally. The 
one we saw in the beginning of the movie. We're finally one year later. We get to see it. A hundred thousand soldiers die in the first hour what alone. What a waste. Dude, the, the way that they show people dying in this scene is comedic. Yeah, I was laughing. I was laughing. Not one of them knew what they were doing, right? Not a single one of those people knew what the hell they were doing on It was planet. like they didn't go to the boot camp at all. You know, it's funny because when they were doing the boot camp stuff, it looked like they were training them to fight another human army. They weren't doing anything to teach them to fight the bugs. They were running obstacle courses and throwing knives. What does that have to do with shooting but bugs? If they showed them training exercises for fighting these animals, we would be like, this isn't boot camp. What is this? Wow, you nailed it. Sounds like I was talking. Okay, so after this battle, Rico was listed as dead. M-I-A. Yeah, K-I-A. <laughs> yeah, that too. And, uh, He's AOL. Yeah, he was also P-O-W. He was t- <laughs> <laughs> He's listed as dead, and Denise Richards is like, ooh, ooh, <laughs> Only a weakling dies over her ex-boyfriend. Yeah, get over it, bro. But little did they know, <laughs> Rico was not dead. They don't explain how he gets saved. I don't get this. How did he live this? How did he survive? How did he survive that? I have no idea. There were 10 10,000 of those bugs, right? And in that battle scene, those bugs are shown to be indestructible killing machines, right? Mm-hmm. They are terrifying. They take a billion shots to go down, and even when you kill them, they, they can still fight back. What is cool, though, is straight out of the fifth element, they got that same machine repairing his leg. I thought that leg. too, right? Yep. Can we talk about this machine that they used to, to fix Rico's leg? First up, it's enormous. It's the size of an entire room. That's really an efficient way to fix people. What, do they have a million of these at the space station? I guess what, they what, can only do one at a time. What struck me three odd, days at a time. It's like his his injury was not too much more severe than the guy's arm, who was the bone was literally broken, blown through his arm, out the skin. You could see it through <laughs> through like his his sleeve, like it was all wet with blood. <laughs> and so this guy's got a hole in his leg. Why does he have to be in this giant X Men Origins tank <laughs> filled to, with ecto cooler? Yeah, filled with ecto cooler, where the other guy just has a stupid cast on. And if they have this thing, they can so easily fix people. Why are there so many veterans walking around without limbs and stuff? It just doesn't make any sense. It's like they have this thing and they use it this one time on Rico and it's never used again in this entire movie for all the hundreds of thousands of people that are injured. Yeah. (laughs) They just leave them for dead or they shoot them dead themselves. They do. They do. It's like, hey guys, we have this thing back at the spaceship that can save everyone's lives. Well, well, I guess, here's let me play devil's advocate for that. The fact that they kill each other and all that stuff. During the uh, bug autopsy, seen in the high school the the teacher talks about how the bugs are perfect because when they reproduce they reproduce a million fold that they have no ego they have no fear they're killing machines they're the perfect citizens that's what she referred to them Mm -hmm. as they're the perfect citizens right that's what this society values the most so and these kind of things are expressed in the war they don't give a damn about the individual doesn't matter then why do they have this thing on the spaceship fixing Rico's leg because he's he's, a good soldier he's Rico everyone hates Rico Rico. It's Cancer Van Dean. He's Rico from Judge Dredd. Oh, that's the best that's Rico ever. That's the best ever. Rico I've ever seen. Okay, so after this battle, he gets repaired and, and they all get put into, into the Roughnecks. Yeah, apparently uh, Michael Ironsides is back. I'm going to make the argument now that this is when the movie falls apart. Right here. This movie, this movie fell apart way before this. I'm going to say that this movie jumped head first into the toilet and as his feet were going down, it, it hit the plunger and it went down even further. 
I'm gonna say that I'm gonna say that this movie doesn't completely jump the shark until after the initial battle with Michael Ironsides. After they take that base over and they they, they take out like the space fiddle and like the space beer. <laughs> it's like when, that's what this yeah, movie. Yeah, go on. Let's just jump to that. Who cares? They, they go. Okay, so they take over this base after they fight a battle with Michael Ironsides. Michael Ironsides obviously fought like I knew he would. Like he always fights. You know, he's the hero, and he's like, "You guys work hard. You play hard." He didn't say that, but he said that in my heart. <laughs> And so he pulls out. He said, have fun. That's in order. Yeah. So he said. That's what I always say at the start of this podcast. Have fun. That's in order. <laughs> you guys never listen to me, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he pulls out. He pulls out the space beer and space fiddles and space, you know, Batman Beyond balls. and <laughs> Space condoms. Yeah. And he pulls out the space condoms. <laughs> <laughs> and and Diz is like, hey, you want to dance? And he's like, no, I don't. Don't make me pull rank on you. Like, what a dick. So then Michael Ironsides, he sees this go on and he drops like some serious wisdom on this idiot. Yeah. He's like, don't ever turn down a good thing. I'm like, whoa, that's some, <laughs> some wisdom right there. <laughs> right? Yeah. He said, get it wet, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but then Jake Busey's in the background. He's adding a lot to this scene. Yeah, he's, he's doing his typical Jake Busey physical c- comedic movements buffoonery buffoonery and it's really <laughs> it's really relieving me there's a lot of comedic relief but what do you do what's he using he's using his, his his fiddle to serenade them his glow fiddle what does it look like you want to shut up about the space fiddle before we started recording <laughs> and now you keep dancing around it you don't want to talk about it what the hell all right the fiddle looks like it's made out of like some type of neon clear <laughs> plastic that glows in the dark and it's absurd looking <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm not going to describe it any more than that. If anybody wants to see this fiddle, look it up online. It's not it's worth a, it. Don't it, bother. It's not worth ta- explaining what this physical... Like, you know, one of the Star Trek movies is like Generations or Nemesis or one of those crappy movies. It had that exact material that the space fiddle was made out of, but there were like space symbols for drums. Oh my God. Are you okay with that as a future technology? <laughs> Why? Why? Why are we using this for fiddles? I, I I thought the thing about fiddles was like the way the wood carried the sound. Plastic. Plastic doesn't do that. <laughs> cheap plastic. Yeah, cheap plastic doesn't do that. <laughs> So they head out on this last mission. They're yeah. heading to the outpost place. They go out there. There's a whole lot of stuff happens. They find that the bugs burrowed through the ground. Sucking people's brains out. Brains are getting sucked out. They find a general guy locked in a closet. A lot of stuff's happening. I just don't care. I really don't care at this point. Just want this over with. The bugs, they come out in force. It was a trap. They led them there. It was us. They were sabotaged. How did the bugs do that? The bugs double crossed. Brain bug. So Diz dies, and we get the finest acting in this movie. I'm just happy I got to be with you. (laughs) Yeah, I was not impressed by this. (laughs) Terrible Not at all. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Was it purposely bad? I don't know. Wow, you're going there, huh? It was a different kind of level of bad, and this is an over-the-top, campy kind of movie. Johnny, don't let me go. Don't ever let me go. That's a really good point. What I loved about the fact that uh, Diz dies is that, okay, she's dead. Dead, fine. Immediately after she dies, they have this elaborate funeral. It's the death for of her. Spock, man. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what is they that have, about? She has a, ca- a space <laughs> casket which gets jettisoned into space. 
I was like, wait a minute, didn't 100,000 people die at the last battle? No, 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 no. Over 300,000 300, died, died at that battle. Okay, great. Total, what? it's like, it's gotta be at least half a million now. No one gave a damn, but she gets her own special funeral. She was a great soldier. Blah, 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 blah. What the hell is this crap? I like to think that they she had a special funeral. A high-ranking officer. For every single one of those individuals. Yeah, every last one of them got a funeral. They were taking forever. Their bodies were chopped into pieces and littered all over their planet. There's no way they had a funeral for all of them. That's a, that just didn't happen. Denise Richard's ship explodes. Her and, she, and her, her new boyfriend crash land on the bug planet where Casher Van Dien is. She crashes through a mountain, somehow survives, and comes face to face with the brain bug. Brain bug comes out, starts sucking on our boy's brain. Looks pretty tasty, huh? What'd you guys think of the way the brain bug looked? He had a vagina mouth. It was an interesting design. I like the eyes. I thought the eyes looked good. I'm gonna say it was pretty unique. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that yeah. in a movie since. And it, it made sense more so than any of the other bugs. Yes. Like the standard arachnid type bug that we see. That The, the design of that thing doesn't make any practical sense. They're kind of hard to make out the look of them, right? Like because of the pointiness of them. Yeah. It's hard to understand like what they're looking at or what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Or like where their legs start and where their mouth mandibles end. Yeah. But you know what? Like this brain bug, I like the way how it's carried by these other like little tiny lesser bugs. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So are we to believe that this bug is like the hive mind that's controlling every other creature on this planet? Yeah, they're like Zerg overlords. Mm-hmm. So that's what these things remind me of, Zergs. Well, anyway, so uh, Rico and his roughnecks, they show up to save the day and the brain bug sees that Rico's got a bomb and it, somehow it knows, I guess because it, it ate the brain and got the memories or how something. Does that, how does that happen? What's the process that it can do that? How would this thing evolve to eat human brains on a planet with no humans? There's literally no animals on this planet. What are these things eating? They're eating each other. Do they eat dirt? There's a lot of dirt. Maybe they... Maybe... So many questions. It's a little time. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, so the, the they get away from this brain bug and earlier in the movie, we see what these nuclear devices that they have, these they little mini nukes. They destroy a huge area. Yeah, yeah, they're, they are enormously powerful. They blow up one of these things to attempt to kill the brain bug and Rico is there in, in the line of fire. Somehow he survives the blast. I have no idea how. It, it's comical looking actually how this happens. They all survive the blast. Not only that, but Denise Richards is running away after she's has, she has a giant hole in her chest. Yeah, she got stabbed by the one of the bugs. Yeah. It's, stabbed it, is not the right word. Impaled. Yeah. Gored. A giant yeah, gored. hole in her body and she's running around shooting off a machine gun like she's fine. She should be dead. Just bleed. She just bled to death. Well, pretty much after all this stuff, the brain bug gets caught and we see uh, that Neil Patrick Harris has become a full Nazi. He's <laughs> risen the ranks. He's in the SS officially now. Yeah, and... Uh, He's it, a high-ranking member of the SS at this point. And it turns out in a shocking plot twist that the guy who caught the brain bug was Clancy Brown all along. He did it again. It's Clancy Brown. <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> My man. <laughs> This movie went out with a bang. <laughs> Clancy Brown. And that's it. That's the end of Starship Troopers. Who cares, right? The I, I, end. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Kevin has written in his notes, literally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. 
a jaw-dropping experience. So rigorously one-dimensional and free from even the pretense of intelligence, it's hard not to be astonished and even mesmerized by what is on the screen. Kenneth Turan, Los Angeles Times. Flawed, but fun. James Veradinelli, Real Views. And finally, terrific entertainment. Joe Baltake, Sacramento Bee. Okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that good? Bad? Whatever. That's like right on the borderline. Yeah. I feel like 63 is outrageously generous for this movie. <laughs> 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 this movie should be in the 30s or 40s, I think. You know, like, visually, it's really cool for, especially for 1997. They did some really interesting stuff with the designs for the aliens. Other than that, the story is terrible. The acting is horrible. The movie makes no sense at all. But part of me wants to think that it's supposed to be like a B movie and that's how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be campy. But then then they do stuff where it's not. And it, it confuses me. I don't understand what I'm supposed to expect out of it. And that's really this movie's weakness. It doesn't know what it wants to be. You know, the first half of the movie I was entertained and there were parts at the end that I thought were cool but as a whole after about halfway through I don't care about this movie at all I don't want to watch it anymore I mean I'm probably going to give this movie a 2 out of 5 that might even be generous but yeah I, I, it's it's not bad enough to be a 1 so it's a 2 out of 5 for me is it really that good no this is a terrible movie this this is the fifth element all over again for me I think it's a movie that a lot of people like for being a, a satire I don't get it. I don't find it good on any level. This is a one out of five for me. I This this movie was such a waste of time. It was so boring, even though there was so much stuff happening. It's also a very long film. It's like over two hours. The propaganda stuff that, that, that happened, I don't know, maybe five or six times? That stuff was fine. I, that was good, and I wish there was a more intelligent movie in between all that propaganda stuff, because I think that would have been a, a good movie, but that stuff was garbage. Everything in between the propaganda films. That's it. Okay, as for me, I'm gonna buck the trend. I knew you were gonna buck it. I knew you were gonna buck that trend. Be a little bucking contrary. Always yeah. bucking it. I'm gonna be a little bit more lenient than you guys. I went into this movie, like the last time I saw this movie, I went into it remembering this movie as being a four out of five. Like I really enjoyed this back in the 90s. And then when I watched it again, like a year ago or two years ago, I dropped it to a three. I was like, whoa, this movie's got a lot of problems. And I'm pretty much still at the same place I was then. I really do like the first half of this movie. I genuinely enjoy it. All the stuff with them in school, all the stuff with the boot camp, that stuff is a lot of fun to me. Once Michael Ironside shows up and they're just walking around the planet and fighting bugs, it just becomes a generic sci-fi movie that we've all seen a thousand times. It's not entertaining at all. It's just going through the motions and I don't even care anymore. I agree with you at that point. Just like, ah, whatever, who cares? This movie could have done a lot of interesting stuff, but at the end of the day, yeah, the acting is abysmal in this movie. It's really poor. You know what? I actually would enjoy seeing the remake of this done by something, somebody else. Somebody who could do the really sharp, sarcastic tone that this movie, that they were trying to do, I guess, but didn't really pull off. But I bet if they do a remake of this movie, it'll be a more faithful adaptation of the book, though. Which is like a legitimate yeah. portrayal so of the which, which You know what? I prefer that. I, I'd rather get that instead of a remake of this. So, yeah, I still enjoy this movie for its a lot of the cheesiness of it, and there's a lot of fun in the beginning, but the last half of it is total crap. Okay, let's read some listener mail. Okay, Jordan writes in and says, after listening to the Antichrist episode, he wants to know, does shock value have a place in cinema? Or is it just there to, you know, to for cheap thrills to get people in the seats? What do you think? Yeah, that's its place. It's cheap thrills to get 
people in the seats. But can it be used for art? What do you think, Kevin? Like actually showing a man's penis and him orgasming blood and things like that. I mean, I guess there's a place for that in art, but not in entertainment. There's definitely a place in an art student's thesis, right, Martin? <laughs> That's the only place that it's used. Look, um, it depends on what your motivation or your purpose is in the movie. I mean, I feel like some of the stuff that was in Antichrist was useful. I don't think a lot of it was shock value. I, I know that you do, though. Huh? You think a lot of stuff in Antichrist was just shock value, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's probably what he was going for. Like, I think that he's just, like, a very hard, abrasive director, and that's, like, the kind of... Shock and awe. That's, like, what he wants to portray. He, he thinks that... I think he wants to show that, like, life is harsh and ugly and disgusting and brutal, and he wants to show that in his films. Okay, Brandon writes in, and he wants to know, what was your favorite story arc of Justice League or Justice League Unlimited? Oh, you you love the uh, the Buster... <laughs> Buster Gold. Yeah, yeah. Booster, Booster Gold. Gold. He's my favorite. Um, Where Booster Gold really did save the world. That's really true. Kevin is really pondering I mean, this. I mean, from Doomsday Sanction up through Epilogue, I mean, that's the best. The Cadmus stuff in yeah, season I, two. I, I, I don't want it. I don't want to just default to that. No, I'm going to Because it's the easy answer. It's the best. It's the best it stuff. Is, it, is, it is the yeah. best answer, though. That's the best answer. All right. I'm going to say Return of Dark, uh, like the three episodes where Darkseid is resurrected in outer space with Lex Luthor. That was pretty good. It was really and good, then from actually. there on, he, he from the moment he says, "Let the universe howl in despair, for I have returned." From that point on, that did my my favorite moment from that whole series was when Superman was beating the crap out of him, and he's like, "Finally, I can just be myself." Yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. I can just let loose on you. I've been living in a, a a world made of cardboard or whatever he said. Yeah, that was good. That's right up there with you don't get to joke. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> oh, there you go. I hope that satisfies your <laughs> desires. We didn't answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we could sit there and talk about this for another hour. Alright, sign me up. Chris writes in, he wants to know why we don't review animated movies. We I mean, have reviewed animated movies. Yeah, we did Polar Express the one time. But why not in general? How come no? They're usually comedies. I think that that's probably the main reason that we don't do a lot of animated movies. There's only one animated movie I could think of on top of my head that I think would be worth it and that'd be Cars 2 because it's the first Pixar flop. Yeah, probably. I mean, the ones that are bad are just like Mars Needs Moms. That was supposed to be like epically bad, right? Yeah. That was a huge flop, but I don't, I don't know if there's a lot to talk about in the, with those movies. There isn't. Okay, Angie writes in, she has some questions for us. Martin, what do you do to get into Prime, Beefcake Man, Jersey Shore Surfing Shape? Did you get that wetsuit you wanted for Christmas? I run and jump and swim and play. I row and go on trips, and yes. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I swim a couple times a week. I don't know, not too much, and then I run and do basic uh, plyometric workouts, and then the wetsuit, yeah, it's a H-bomb. Kevin, I know you have a deep, deep love of football, what sport would you teach little Kevin Jr. in the backyard? I would like to make every sport available to play for my child slash children. I mean, I want them to be able to choose whatever they like to play. Although, I will push hard for fencing. Really? Yeah. There's a reason for that. (laughs) Financial reason. Oh, okay. Tell me off the mic. Okay, uh, and finally, Joel, I've heard a few mentions of Halloween parties in past episodes. Do you host those? Tell us more. No, I've never hosted a damn thing in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> I just like Halloween. It's fun time. I like seeing other people in costumes. Okay, thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yesthatbad at gmail.com. Now it's time to announce next week's movie. And next week's movie, the time has come for secrets to finally be revealed. (gasps) That's right. One of the ancient secrets of Yes That Bad lore will finally be unfurled upon the world. We'll be reviewing Pirates of the Caribbean. Kevin? Curse of the Black Pearl. Yeah, that. 
that one. Kevin, you excited for this? I can't wait. We'll see if my memory <laughs> serves me. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it for this one. <laughs> Yeah, you know, now you can't that, rule it out completely. I can't rule it out completely, but I may have something to do. Well, now that the three of us are finally in the same room together, can we finally reenact the opening scene to Antichrist? Yeah, of course. Who gets to be the baby? <laughs> I don't know, man. I who gets to be Willem Dafoe? I'll volunteer to be the baby. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. I'm Willem Dafoe. All right, sure. I guess I'll be the girl. <laughs> okay, tune in next week when we'll be reviewing Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of the Black Pearl. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash yazdadad. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. You can help spread the word of the show by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash yazdadbad. You can follow the show on Twitter at yahitsbad. You can follow Marty at Marty. You can follow Kevin at Kev. You can listen to the show to, on all your mobile devices via Stitcher. Don't forget to get our latest premium podcast at yahitsthatbad.bandcamp.com and you can listen to all our previous episodes at yeahitsthatbad.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. All right, so this is it. The girl Felicity finally gets what she's looking for. Oh, she hooks up with them. Yeah, and she sleeps with them, and Michael Ironsides busts into their space tent, and he's like, hey, you're you're needed in whatever, the war room. (laughs) And he's like, hey... Who's under that space blanket? Yeah, there's something about this scene that really disturbed me. Then there was a hot woman. They're getting hot and heavy, ready to have sex. And Michael Ironside busts. He busts in. But, you know, even though she was fully nude, I was like, there's something wrong with me. I, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't erect. I wasn't, you know, ready to, for action. It took me a second of soul searching, and then I realized what the problem was. The room wasn't blue. <laughs> You're right. The room it was, was totally, silver. <laughs> it was, every color of the rainbow was in that room. Totally killed my boner, bro. Yeah, you know what? You're right. It wasn't blue. (laughs) At this point, I've been so conditioned.